0: it's the derek and mike podcast welcome to the show thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate you being here my name is mike this is my boy derek What's up Mike? What's up everybody? Hanging, brother. How you doing today, man? All good? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm, you know, considering There was some hesitation in in your voice there. I detected.
1: Oh, hesitate. Yeah, there is some hesitation there. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, let's see. I think I think what's affecting me
0: most is just really kind of just the state of the world a little bit. Like Oh, are you brought down by the immensity of our problems
1: sometimes yeah Uh uh-huh shit because it it comes in and it invades uh your private life at some times you know yeah that sucks yeah but you know i'm chugging along and uh you know
0: keeping my head up nice you know what i'm doing as you're as you're telling me about these problems that uh relate to, like, greater global issues that we're all dealing with at the same time, like, big, heady problems. I'm looking out my window. I'm parking in a parking lot, doing the show for my truck, like I always do, and I'm looking out my window in this little, little like, planter area beside the parking lot, and there's a cute little bunny just hanging out, kind of <laughs> looking through the grass, looking for some food, or just kind of being bunny, and uh, those problems don't affect him at all.
1: You and, know, it's uh, actually... Uh, funny that you say that because I I heard somebody talk about that very thing. Um, so, somebody in a chat room was saying, uh, you know, they were driving along and they saw a bunny, and what they said, they said, "God, why can't I just be like the bunny, right there, just eating grass, not having a care in the world?" And she said, right then, a hawk swooped down, grabbed the bunny. <laughs> And took off with it.
0: <laughs> She's like, "Well, I'm guess I'm glad I'm not the bunny right now." Yep. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I hope this bunny makes it through this uh, this uh, epiphany I'm having right now. He's cute. He's just kind of hanging around, sniffing around a little bit, being a little bunny. Still there. He's just kind of sitting right there. Yeah, I didn't mean to poo-poo on your story there, but <laughs> oh man, I mean, but I'm but fine. You're, but I, bunny I think you know the
1: larger um, discussion with that is you write live local live live around you live right now
0: you know yeah it's uh um yeah i mean it's sometimes it's tough to keep stuff in perspective um because things are pretty bad out there and it's easy to focus on the bad especially when it's so prevalent and so in your face and so ubiquitous everyone's dealing with the same shit i mean you could talk to a friend in italy or fucking pakistan right now and they're going to be having a lot of the same problems that we're having short of our own little, you know, regional political issues and whatever, but as far as like the maiden problems, like pandemics and economy and, uh, environmental issues and whatever, all the big shit, it's fucking global. And, uh, it's sometimes hard to take a step back or focus on, on the good things or the simple things. Um, but a little something like a, like a bunny playing in the grass is, uh, is a nice reminder that we're all just animals. And, um, Sometimes we can just kind of take a step back and just kind of try to focus on the simple things. Easier said than done a lot of times, but it is important yeah, to try, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. When
1: you start getting caught up in, and this word is weird, but this is kind of the way that I, I describe not what's right in your very purview at this moment. Okay. Um, I call it like the constituents, you know, what <laughs> know. Fancy. It's a big fancy word, huh? Who the constituents? But <laughs> it's like anything that's not real, which is just a, a thought or just something that um, we are mentally perceiving, yeah. rather than what's actually in front of us. And it, it is so important, like you're saying, you know, you live live in the moment as much as possible, and that that's the way to pull through these difficult times, and not to get caught up in the fear. Because there's plenty of fear out there right now too. That that I think is is what's going on. And you know, and I'm not saying there's not certain reasons to probably be afraid, but do you want to live your life that way?
0: Um, I don't. No, no, I don't think anyone wants to. Uh but I think in order to um battle against that or guard yourself against that, you've gotta like be you've gotta actively try to manage your mindset in some way, right? Like it doesn't just happen for at least for most people. Um yeah. it's easy to get caught up in bullshit and swept into like negative thinking patterns and all that kind of stuff. Um so I think it's important to be mindful or or like conscious of choosing or at least trying to choose where your mental focus is being directed as best you can. It's hard, but definitely. If, if you're aware and, of it, you're more likely to manage it at least a little bit. Absolutely. And that's
1: where Um, another word that is probably not very, um, noticeable by the masses, I would guess, but it's very common for me to use is that, um, that's where I go to my practice. And it's a a Zen. Are we talking about Zen stuff? I'm
0: sorry. Are we talking like Zen stuff? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right.
1: Which is, you know, it, and it sounds, uh, I don't know. It sounds, I don't know how it sounds to actually, you know, I, I think it's kind of a foreign word, so Let's when what people it? hear it, it's like, "Oh, practice!" Ooh, or is that witchcraft? Oh. And and it's not. What it okay. is is, um, very realistically, it's centering myself in the moment by doing my practice, whatever whatever that practice may be. There and Zen. There's a few different practices which you can you do. And um, for me, the one that I like to go to the most is putting my attention. In my just right below my belly button, they call that the hara. Huh. Um, Japanese people call that the they say hara. Okay. Um, cause I want to say that because it's really a Japanese word, and you butcher it when you say hara. But you put your attention in the hara and then at the very base of your belly, that's where your attention goes. And when I say attention, it's like you know you just you just feel it right there. Mm. And then you just experience your breath. So as your breath goes in and out, and you and you relax as much as possible. It's not like a um, a pressure situation where I'm just like, "Ooh, let me get the hard, harder." You know, it's more like, "Okay, I'm just going to relax into my breath." Huh. That, yeah, that's pretty, and that that is is so healing. Uh, I experience it is just so healing because what happens naturally then is that you start to come out of your discursive thought and you just come into the moment and, and it's not, you can't force yourself out of discursive thought. That's more discursive thought. You
0: just have to do your practice. Yeah. I feel like focusing on breath on focusing on breathing is a super useful tool, whether, whether you're practicing Zen Buddhist or, or doing it, uh, in the form of meditation, like a real focused amount of time you're spending doing something, uh, including focusing on breath. It's just one of those things where, um, it can help in a lot of ways. And a lot of times where I, I I know certainly the most obvious one is if you get mad, Oh, just breathe, just breathe. And if you're mad and someone tells you to just breathe, it just makes you madder. But like the truth, the truth (laughs) is if you really did just focus on breathing, it truly diminishes or eliminates your anger, uh, very quickly. And focusing on breathing is a good way to quiet down your mind, you know, whether you're trying to meditate or not, or I know with myself a lot, dude, I I get, I get clusterfucked up in my head a lot with thoughts. Sometimes if I got a lot going on or if I'm having anxiety or stressed out about stuff or sometimes it doesn't even have to be important things, dude, small things could, can get me all twisted up in knots in my head. And a lot of times I default to focusing on breathing to quiet my mind down. And it happens quickly. And I don't honestly know if it's something that happened quickly from the get go for me, or if I had to practice it and now I'm better at it and it's quicker either way. It's, it's a quick and easy way for me just to kind of lower my anxiety level, slow my heart rate down and relax, quiet my mind down. And it's probably the most useful and simple tool that I've acquired in, in all my years being alive. Um, It's just the most simple thing that anybody could do. And it's a weird thing to try to tell someone, you know, again, like you tell someone like, oh, just breathe. Or, uh, I know sometimes my wife will get a little anxious or whatever. And I'm just like, you just need to breathe, like take some deep breaths in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. And she's just like, shut up, dude. I've got shit going on like this and this, I'm stressed out about this. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's tough to verbalize to someone when they're in the moment of stress or anxiety or, or just busyness. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to be like, hey, just stop and breathe. You sound like some hippie idiot, you know. But it's so it's true. true. I, you know, I wasn't
1: aware that you you carried that practice. Uh, I call it a practice or breathing. I mean, really, that's all it is. And you're right. It's it's available to everybody. <laughs> it's not like anywhere oh, all only the time. A
0: Zen Buddhist has it. Yeah, like literally anywhere all the time. I mean, I'll, I'll be in the middle of work. I'll be in the middle of a phone call where I'm not liking what I'm hearing or problems are happening. That's part of my job is just problems all the time, and Sometimes they, they get into my mindset, you know, like normally I'm just dealing with problems. That's the job. And, you know, you, you, do your best, you do the work, you work on the problem and that's what it is. I mean, shit, that's your job as a database engineer, right? So much of your job is fixing problems, um, yeah. that, uh, sometimes you just have to figure out ways to just calm yourself down. You do better work when you're calm, when you're all anxious and up in your head, you're, you're doing shitty work and you're feeling like shit and it's physically bad for you. Like there's nothing good that comes from being all twisted up and anxious. So
1: true. Um, And and so many times also when fixing a problem or when having to fix a problem, if you're up in your head trying to fix the problem, you're not going to find the answer. And I think you're kind of alluding to that with the anxiousness where if you actually take yourself out of your head and just breathe for a while, and you can't be trying to seek this out either. You can't be like, Oh, I'm going to breathe so I can fix this problem. No, you, you have to just breathe, you know, you can't like, right. you can't be looking to try to get rid of something. You can't, you know, and you may be doing that. I mean, I think habitually, a lot of times we are trying, we, we have escape patterns built into us where we experience something negative and we try to get rid of it and mm-hmm. you can't get rid of it. I mean, that's just a, a fallacy that, that it's a fallacy that it exists in a substantial form in the first place. But to just breathe, it passes. Everything passes, as my teacher would say. Um, and that probably sounds weird too. As my teacher would say uh, thoughts self liberate, like they just okay. liberate themselves. All you, all you have to do is just breathe. I mean, but it's it's so and
0: it's so simple mm-hmm. that it's so difficult for for us. Well, and it really is. And 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 I I I, I say that I've become good at it. But even at a place where I feel like I'm good at it, um, it's very difficult to quiet your mind down and just breathe for any amount of time for even a few seconds is an accomplishment um, because your your thoughts just keep flooding back. They keep streaming back or they keep creeping back. Even if you quiet your mind and you start breathing and you're like, OK, now I'm not thinking about anything. I've done it. Hey, look at this. I've finally quieted my mind down. Now you're thinking about the success of quieting your mind. Yeah, down. that's right. And, and yeah. It's it's so, it's so hard to not think about anything. And, um, I, I think coming back to your word, I never thought about it that way, but I guess it just comes back to practice of the more you do it, the better you get at it or the more comfortable you become with it. And maybe the less shocked you are when it works or whatever, but the, the more you just put it into practice, uh, not only does it become more effective and easier and, and all of that, you, you, I think you also do it more like I'll find myself doing it. Uh, I guess maybe I have a lot of anxiety. Maybe I'm kind of an anxious person. I'm kind of high strung, I suppose, but I'll do it, it like in line at a grocery store or something. If I start getting all up in my head and whatever, and I start becoming like, you know, tapping your fingers, like anxious and impatient or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll just kind of like, go, look, you're in line, you're standing here and just breathe. And you just kind of feel the air coming in your nose hold it for a second, nice, slow, controlled breath out again, again. And next thing you know, you've reduced or eliminated the anxiety entirely. And it's like, yeah, all right. Now I feel good. Now it's my turn. Now I'm going to buy my potatoes or whatever I'm in line buying. Yeah. that
1: No, that's, that's a great explanation right there. And, you know, it, and I'm glad we're talking about this because really I think that with all the difficulty that's going on in the world, This is the way through it, is to focus locally. And when I say locally, I mean right in front of us to where we're not caught in our heads. And, you know, I I love the breath and, you know, I've been doing it for many years as well. And I feel like, um, you know, in, in a way you're right like I, I i think that the more you do it the more it just becomes kind of something that happens without you even noticing in a certain sense uh-huh. and when that happens that's there's another japanese word for that that's called joriki which is uh-huh. uh um joriki is the uh, strength to hold that uh breath and and it just becomes natural and then that joriki once it's strengthened enough, then it turns into what they call in Zen as samadhi, which is uh, living in a more non-distracted awareness where naturally you are much more grounded. And that samadhi just continues to rise the more that we practice. Huh, okay.
0: Yeah. Wow, you've got a pretty good Japanese vocabulary. Well, I've been Zen Buddhist since I was 19. Okay. All right, yeah. so forty, fifty years now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about fifty. Man, man, yeah. yeah the, no, that that's really cool. I find Japanese is an interesting language. I don't know uh, hardly any words, um, but I feel like I'm really impressed by guys like you, and you just bust out Japanese words. I feel like it's, oh wow, you know you know what that means in Japanese. It feels much more. Uh, worldly and and I don't know mystical is the right word but it feels it's much more impressive when you hear someone bust out a Japanese word like you just did um, as opposed to uh, going oh you know how to say that in Spanish and then I tell you it's whatever word it would be in Spanish it feels like it's less impressive when it's Spanish or any number of different languages but when you bust out a Japanese word people are like oh wow look at Derek he uh Busted out a Japanese word.
1: Well, you see, I think that a lot of uh, Eastern culture, they have these definitions very succinct in some That's of these true. like Zen words, and yeah. I think what comes out of that too is that um, you know sometimes when like the main base religion is something like Zen, where um, so many people have uh, opened up to it, when these words are just uh, kind of an expedient for English word translations because, you know, when I say the word samadhi, it's immediately known in Japanese. Oh, yes, samadhi. I You know, some people yeah. may get it. I mean, even then, some people may not totally understand the, the full implication of samadhi, but um, sure. they, they may much more so than like in an English language. You know, it's going to take a few
0: sentences to describe samadhi. But right. The, it would never be like language. a real translation. It's like, hey, here's kind of what the Japanese mean by samadhi. Uh, it, but it's, it's really not an accurate description. And like you said, it takes a paragraph to, to try to describe. And even then, it doesn't do it justice. That's right. And I think also in Japanese, like,
1: I don't think I may be wrong about this. I heard this secondhand, but I don't think they use the word I much instead of like, uh-huh. I'm going to the store. They just say like, going to store.
0: Oh, okay. so, that's efficient,
1: you know that that's interesting too, because because that could be the remnants of a more enlightened society that um,
0: has released a little bit of that dichotomy of self and other. Do you feel like that's rooted in their? Uh, Japanese are mostly Zen. Is that the? Is that the? the most common religion in Japan, or maybe I'm totally off?
1: No, I don't think so. I think maybe Shinto, uh, maybe the most common. Is that similar
0: to Zen or totally different?
1: Um, I I don't know much about Shintoism, but I I do know that Zen is most definitely highly
0: respected. So it's not that, you know, very common in that culture to not be hung up on oneself for lack of a better way to describe it. Maybe that's, Part of the reason for the lack of "I" in the language or in the way of thinking, maybe, or maybe it's just efficiency. Maybe it's just like, yeah, you said it. I assume you're talking about yourself. Like, it's, say, going to the store. I didn't think you meant Fred because if you meant Fred, you probably would have said Fred. Uh, so if you just say going to store, I'll assume you meant yourself, and we'll all just save the time and breath of saying "I." Uh, maybe it's just efficiency. They're inefficient people.
1: Well, or or it could just be uh, a, not so you know. It's probably bread from an enlightened period that happened in Japan. And I don't know what period that is. I think that in the 1600s around then is really when Zen kind of started to flourish more in Japan. And um, it was really kind of in China uh, towards um, maybe between like the 700s and um, up to the 1600s. And then the person that brought, mainly brought or revitalized Zen in Japan was Dogen Zinji, mm. who uh, went to China uh, because he couldn 't find adequate Zen master in in Japan, so he went to China oh. and uh, after he was satisfied with his training, then he brought it back to japan and you know i suppose you know it potentially could have uh you know had an an effect on the society because you sure. know just like i 'm going to speak a little bit grandiose here but kind of like how you throw a rock into a pond, the waves ripple out. Right. Uh, That's really the way the world works in that, and in that little uh, succinct uh, visual that you can have. And, you know, it's likely that um, Zen could have provided much of a still point. And with the revitalization of Zen in Japan, it could have, it it will influence the society in, in some manner. So, the question is, with that influence in society, you, you, you get enlightened upspringings from that, uh, because what? it just, it just affects things in ways you can't even conceive. Well, you know?
0: I think that's true in a lot of ways, right. And on a lot of things. So like the butterfly effect is kind of what I'm hearing in that analogy. Yeah. And, we're uh, uh, just using, I mean, anything has the butterfly effect, but just using religion as an example, um, like, say, Christianity in, uh, in America, which America is such a young nation, it's hard to compare it progressively to something as ancient as Japan, but, um, early Christian ideals that brought, um, that brought pilgrims over to America, you know, in search of religious freedom, where they were looking for the freedom to be even more strict religiously than they were in, in England, um, which I think is, Maybe a misconception for a lot of people thinking that people were looking to come to America because they were being told they're, uh, they weren't religious enough. It was more of the opposite. They were super religious and England was like, "Whoa, you guys are nuts. Uh, you guys are way too religious. You need to dial it back. And instead of dialing it back, they went, fuck you. We're going to go take that land from the Indians and and uh, we're going to go be uber religious over there. And uh, Puritans kind of set up shop and, and practice their their. Uh, super strict brand of Christianity and talk about butterfly effect. I mean, that has certainly tempered and modified over our short history, less than 300 years, but the reverberations of their ideals and, and, uh, their faith and, and, um, just their way of doing things has permeated our society, our American progress as a society in, in every way, in so yeah. many ways. um, So the same would certainly be true of other places, obviously. Humans are no different anywhere. Um, But especially over the amount of time that you're talking about from the Middle Ages in Japan or even like the Renaissance era. I mean, that's two or three or five or ten times longer than it's had time to um, reverberate here in America. Uh, So it's interesting to see how social or cultural movements or belief systems like that can affect everyday society, lawmaking, social structure, uh, as a whole, um, in ways that aren't directly related, but are totally integral to those early ways of thinking and early, um, social practices. I find that stuff interesting. Maybe it's boring as hell, but I find that super interesting.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, at its base level, I, I'm going to go back to the metaphysical sounding again. It's like, it's energy. And it's like, how does calm energy affect the society and how does uh, Mm. uh, different types of energy affect affect things? And I feel like that's that's kind of um, uh, for me, the integral point, because uh, when more people find their stillness, Mm. then it is uh, kind of a flower opens and then it, it prompts other flowers to open. And find their stillness yeah. as well. So I, I think it's it's so it can be contagious in a way, and, and at the same time, it's just utterly important to to move in a direction where we live our lives in a in a still way as much as possible. And as I yeah. say this, I feel like I feel like an utter fraud because you know I, I don't really live my life in such a still way. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have a practice that I've carried through for so many years where. I can go to it, but you know, by and large, I live in my head quite a bit.
0: So, well, you know, dude, and it's all like give and take, right? Like maybe, maybe you could live less in your head. Sure. Couldn't we all, right? But the fact that you're uh, first aware of it or make any effort to change your behavior, even in a small way to any degree is a huge benefit to yourself, the people around you, the way you live, your happiness level, um, all that kind of stuff that, uh, it doesn't do any good to think about, am I too in my head? Cause that thought itself is in your head. Yeah. Um, right. You just, like you said, you just go back to living in the moment, doing your best, just back to the basics of just breathe and don't conceptualize all of the, uh, am I doing enough of this? Am I doing this properly? Is breathing really helping me? How much time a day am I dedicating to breathing? Is that the right amount of time? Should I be dedicating more time in my day doing breathing? All of that is uh, fucking noise, right? Yeah. Well, and um, you know
1: what's coming up for me right now? Remember when we um yeah, I came out of a retreat one time. This was so many years ago. And we had a, like a big long discussion and then um and then you you wrote that song, uh Freedom from Thought. I thought it was oh, such yeah. a beautiful song.
0: Yeah. And and that that really kind of encapsulates it right there too. It was like Freedom from Thought. Well, it's cool how you go through phases like that, too. Like, I, I do remember that. Yeah, you and I used to talk about this sort of thing. We'd get into conversations like this pretty com- pretty often. Um, and that was a particular time when it really resonated with me. And it sounds like you, too. And when things like that, where where you have a moment of, I wouldn't call it enlightenment on my side, you certainly know much more about what that experience is like, but in in light enlightening to a certain degree for me and then it it motivates you to do something like yeah write a story or write a poem or in this case write a book or write a song and it's really neat to have that little piece of that experience written down that lasts forever and then in our case we made the song recorded it and then it became like a a track on an album so it's something that i could go online and listen to anytime you know what i mean it's on fucking spotify or youtube music or whatever like it's there it exists and it's this cool little remnant of a piece of time uh through an experience with um one of my favorite people that i can always look back on and i haven't in a long time and it's cool for you to bring that up because that song is there forever it'll be there for my kids my grandkids like it's on the internet it's never going anywhere and if i ever want to go back and relive that that period when i was feeling that and thinking that and and experiencing that i can just go back hit play and, uh, it just takes me right back there and it will forever. And what a fucking treasure, uh, little things like that are. So true. When, when did you write that? Do you, do you
1: happen oh, to recall
0: what year that was? Fuck, dude, we put that album out in, oh gosh, I'd have to look back. I mean, it was early 2000s. It was not long after I graduated high school. I graduated in 99 and that would have been not long after that. That was our first full length album. And uh shit, yeah, it must have been early 2000s I want to say 01 or 02, maybe. <laughs> right? Dude, that that is the weirdest thing when you're when you're doing like this, you're reminiscing. In my mind, that doesn't feel like anywhere near two decades ago. But when you realize you're like, oh, when was that? That was 02, you're like, that was 20 years ago. Wow. I know. That sounds like a lifetime. And it is for a lot of people. Uh man. All right. Well, I feel fucking (laughs) old now. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, I know. If you were to ask me, I'd be like, oh, what was that, 15 years ago? I'm like, no, no, it was like 20. Dude, I'm really bad at at estimating amounts of time. My my wife is really good at that, and so my badness at it stands out in contrast to her goodness at it. And all the time, we'll talk about something, whatever, when's the last time we saw so-and-so, or hey, remember, we went to dinner here, or whatever. How long ago was that? And I'll always be like, uh like a year or two ago, and she'd be like, "That was eight years ago."' <laughs> like, "Oh, yeah, whatever. what's the difference I'm, I'm terrible at remembering amounts of time
1: for me my I, I have an advantage on uh there's a high school year or the school years are easy for me because when um like in 1980, I was in kindergarten. In 81, I was in first grade. In 82, I was in second grade. And I, I can remember which grade I was in at a certain time period, and then it's easy to transpose that over to the, the year. So I, I'm real clear on those years, but like after like
0: 92, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. You know what else is weird, too? When I remember myself or experiences that I went through personally in the past, I don't think of myself as I was when I went through it. I think of myself now uh as 40 year old mike going through it in my memory so like even if i remember something in childhood like i might have been 12 when i'm remembering this thing happening in my memory i'm me i'm 40 year old mike going through this event in my memory and i'm like oh yeah no wait that wasn't me i was 12 uh i was prepubescent me and for some reason uh i have to consciously remember that i was 12. It doesn't happen automatically. When I remember myself in anything, even if I was remembering something when I was five, which is hard because my memory is not great. Uh, I still think of myself as current me, 40 year old me. I don't know, going to fucking kindergarten or whatever I was doing when I was five. So that's a, that's a weird thing. I wonder if other people have that or if my memory is just flawed. I no, know. I
1: think that's uh, pretty true for most people. Like, you know, you don't, you don't feel the age that you are. Like, I still feel like I am the same, you know, age as I've always been. It's, Uh you know, clearly we're not. Oh, maybe that's it. Okay. You know, it's like, uh, I'm always me. Like, I'm going to go back to what my teacher said again. I'm going to, obviously he's in my mind a lot, but he would say, you know, I go into the mirror and I look at this old man. I'm like, who is that old man? I don't feel that old. (laughs) Yeah, and most certainly for for this gentleman, um his name is Neogen Roshi. He uh he is um most definitely doesn't act that age either. He's a, a a pretty um I don't want to call him enlightened because he probably wouldn't like that, but I feel like he is.
0: Does that translate into silliness or like what if you had to describe his personality type? Like if you were going to tell someone you know that he's about to meet Yogan Yoshi, uh, Roshi, sorry. Yogan Roshi. Yeah. Roshi. Mm -hmm. So like, if you were going to describe him to someone and really quick, just like, Oh, this is Yogan Roshi. He's, he's, he's super funny or he's, uh, really serious. Or like, how would you describe his, his behavior? Well, he can be any of that really,
1: but you know, he, he doesn't act like an old man. So like, you know, he is old, he's in his eighties, but he doesn't act like an old man. He's he's, he can be jovial, spontaneous. Um, he can also be serious when it's called for it, but he just doesn't act like an old man. Like he's just not, I don't know. He, he enjoys his life. He laughs a lot. He's got to, he has a lot of fun times. Um, he just, you can just tell he just
0: enjoys his life. That's, uh, it's refreshing when you meet someone who just feels like super comfortable with their with their uh, their skin. I, I don't know, uh, that's a weird way to put it. Just someone who, who is very comfortable being themselves. It puts you at ease. It makes you more comfortable with being yourself, you know?
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's attractive. Like, it, people are attracted to that. So, I mean, that's why he's uh, a pretty popular t- I mean, he's not like, I don't know if he's, wor- he's not world-renowned, I mean, he's not like, everybody's like, Oh, what, what a great guy, like globally or anything, but definitely locally, uh, people are attracted to him and, you know, he can, um, how do I say this? He can put his attention on you and make you feel like you're the only person in the world. And it's, it's because he has that Joriki and that Samadhi where if he wants to do that, he can do that. And, Mm. um, he can turn that on and turn it off at will. So, you know, kind of like what another Zen master has said in the past, I don't know who it was, but somebody said, well, what's the difference between you and me? If it's just, if the life is just this, you know, what's the difference between you and me? Um, And the Zen master said, well, you are ruled by the 24 hours a day. I rule the 24 hours a day of the day. So uh, it's kind of like that. He has, he has control He's, he's in the moment, you know, he, he's, he's Uh grounded enough to where he's practiced for long enough to where he's actually in the moment
0: much more than, uh, most individuals. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's gotta be a great place to be. But I guess, uh, thinking about how great it is to be living in the moment is not living in the moment. But, uh, yeah, you're, I think when you're around people like that, like you said, it's, uh, it, 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 it. It's happy. It makes you happier to be around someone like that. It's very attractive. You want to be around that person. You want to be like that person more. It's nice when you're around someone who just feels um, comfortable being themselves and comfortable with being where they are and what they're doing, and and that is that is a special kind of a trait that I think we all want to accomplish. And when we see someone else who we feel like has that accomplished that, we're just like kind of yes, that's what I want. I want more of that. I'm more and 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 uh it it just feels it just feels good that's yeah, you know
1: it's so true, and I'll tell you a little bit of the story about when I had met him because it was kind of in a dire, not kind of a dire situation, it was a completely dire situation in my life and you you were there during this whole process um I mean not standing right next to me, but definitely uh you were in my life, and that was when um I had a girlfriend and we broke up and that devastated me, like, because I had lived all my life feeling like, oh, if I, you know, if I fall in love, that's going to be like the end all be all. And then I'll I'll be happy for some reason. I, I grew up with that delusion. And then when it broke apart, like, you know, I just was in a really tough place. And then I went to go meet him because I had been to the Zen Center a few times before that. And then I, I called them up and I said, hey, you know, can I go, can I talk to a Zen master is what I asked. And the lady said, sure, come here in an hour. So I went there in an hour and I drove all the way to L.A. This is like from Corona to L.A. And I went there and then knocked on the door. He walked out and he was like, grab a chair. So we grabbed a chair and, you know, I kind of explained to him a little bit of the situation. He probably didn't need much uh explanation because he could probably see the state that I was in. but Just being around him, literally my, all my pain went away and I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to make it sound magical, but it's the truth. And, you know, it was just kind of like, uh, he provided me not only energetically with a way out by, by providing his stillness as kind of a, a guiding point, but he also uh, provided me a path forward on how I can get out. And, and that was really uh, a pretty pivotal time for me.
0: That's uh, powerful. And I think it's important for people to have someone in their life, whether or not it's a, uh, a figure like what you're describing, uh, or just a friend or a family member who is carefully chosen, who you can go to with certain problems, like someone who is a good listener, and good at not like trying to solve your problem. Cause I don't think when people want to, people talk about their problems, they're not for the most part looking for someone to go, Oh, okay. That's what your problem is. Oh, here, all you have to do is this. I can solve that. They're not looking for a solution. They're, they're looking for someone to listen and understand and some empathy right there. Right. Um, so I think it's really important to have someone in your life, a friend, a family member, uh, a teacher, uh, someone from a, from a school or a mentor or any, any number of, of acquaintances or, or people in your life could serve as long as they're the right type of person and you've got the right relationship and the openness where you can bounce things off them or come to them with a situation and they can just hear it and give you some guidance, but no one wants their whole problem solved. I think that is indispensable and, and, and is such a benefit for a person to have. And I think, unfortunately, I think that most people or a lot of people don't have that or haven't defined it in their mind enough to discover if they do have someone like that in their life. Um, and and it's such an important thing to have someone that you can talk to about that sort of thing, about anything really, um, that it uh, it's something that most people should be aware they need and either discover that in someone you already know or go out and seek that out, whether it's a paid therapist or just someone who who maybe you didn't know is that person or they could be that person, but it's important thing to have that sort of a relationship in your life. I think it's crucial. Yeah, very true.
1: Yeah. Cause 'cause you have to work your own way out. uh, But Uh, that person can help provide that mirror or the perspective uh, or in some way uh, show you um, maybe sometimes indirectly, but just the pathway forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And whether that's clear of, you should do exactly this and this will solve your problem. Uh, whether it's that, uh, obvious or clear isn't important. Um, someone who can either help you find the path forward or show you some options or simplify or clarify the mud that you're stuck in is invaluable. You, um, you know, you're right. Because it, at the same, it's
1: like, um, how would I say this? A lot of times, you know, we get on our own way, right? So, If somebody's trying to tell you how to work yourself out of a problem, many times it's just not going to be very useful because you do need to see it yourself. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times you need to see what you're doing to yourself. And that's, you know, since we have an ego, you know, and we say, hey, you need to do this. um, You know, that's not going to go real well (laughs) because we're like, no, tell me what to do. So you have to like go <laughs> yeah. around that that ego sometimes in order to yep. uh and that person that can provide that I think you know like you're mm-hmm. saying where they just listen or whatever it is but kind of in a selfless manner um be there for you.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's super important. It sounds so simple but it's so uh I think rare for a lot of people. I think it's also rare for people to seek that person out or or try to turn someone they already know into that person um because i think a lot of people have especially guys probably have a mental block of wanting to talk to other people or talk about problems or weaknesses or whatever um i know that's common with people especially guys probably a lot of women too um i i I don't relate to that very well because i've always just been super open so it's easy for me to talk about something i did wrong or something that's bothering me or whatever but I think I'm lucky in that sense. I think that's a, a fortunate trait that I have because I think a lot of people struggle with that openness. And I think that's sad. I think that it is very beneficial personally to have someone you can talk to. Um, and that's probably a pretty obvious thing to say, but the importance of having that uh, makes it worth saying. Yeah. No, well said. Yeah. Well, hey, dude, I got to take a leak <laughs> on, on this, sure. on this super deep note. Um you down to take a quick, uh, potty break and then, uh, we'll pick right up here where we left off. You bet. Uh, all right. Let's do that. Just let your recording run. we Will do. Thanks. All right. You back? Yeah, I'm back. We, we actually timed our P like to be done at the exact same time. I think. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. We're all synced up. We're, yeah. uh, we're, we're yeah. good podcast partners. We've got, we've got our timing locked in. That's right. Nice. Yeah. Um, dude. So I wanted to tell you about something I did that I didn't think would be a big deal, but it turned out it was probably not a cool thing to do. And, uh, well, anyway, I'll just tell you the story. So (laughs) my wife, are you laughing at me? No, I was coughing. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh my God. So my wife had to go away on a business meeting for like a whole day, which is rare for her. She normally works from home and she had to go out, uh, to LA all day and, um, uh, go to like business meetings all day or whatever. So for that day, I I took a day off of work so I can stay home. And, uh, the nanny was there all day also, but the baby needs to be bottle fed, um, breast milk and the two-year-old's a wild man. So it's a lot to handle for one person. So I took the day off. So my, the nanny and I could, um, take care of both kids while my wife's away, uh, at work all day. Right. Um, I thought it would be a great opportunity to get something done. And I'm always thinking this, like, hey, well, there's always a list of things that you want to do when you have some extra time or an opportunity. So anytime my schedule is altered or or I see an opportunity to do something, I'm always like, OK, here's a window of time. What can be accomplished that otherwise could not have been accomplished? And I enjoy um, finding something that can be accomplished during that time. So... I decided to cut my two-year-old son's hair and what I did was in the morning when Sarah had to leave for work pretty early uh, the nanny took care of my two-year-old did his breakfast in the morning but the baby was still sleeping so I just kind of laid in the bedroom where the baby was sleeping and kind of had like an hour to myself where I was just laying there silent which was like really nice while he slept. And, uh, I used that hour to watch YouTube videos on how to cut a toddler's hair. So like anything on YouTube, you can learn to do anything. Um, I'm convinced you can become a, a brain surgeon by watching YouTube videos. <laughs> and so I learned how to be a barber and I watched, I don't know, three or four really great videos by really great hairstylists to, uh, learn how to cut a toddler's hair. And, by the end of the hour, after however many videos I watched and the baby woke up, I was like, I got this. I, I can do this. I can visualize the whole process. I got this. So I uh, brought the baby downstairs. And the nanny took over with the baby. My two-year-old was done with his breakfast. So I took him in the backyard and got my hair cutting station all set up. And we got into it, dude. Um, he was being really cool. I put a little iPad up on the table in the backyard so he can watch. Um, he likes to watch blippy a lot um and uh some some cocoa melon and and whatever his uh whatever his little youtube videos you he's got into the right now yeah all set up uh-huh. yeah so I, I made sure to put his favorite episodes on to keep him extra engaged because i need his head still you know i don't want him losing interest and in wiggling around on me when i'm wielding scissors and clippers <laughs> sure and uh i think i did a pretty good job it wasn't cool. a fantastic job but i didn't botch it it, it came out pretty damn good and I was really happy with it. It took me a long time, but that's fine. Um, I wasn't in a rush. I wanted to do a good job and, and, uh, my boy had really long hair and the haircut that I decided to go with was very short. Um, I shaved the sides with clippers, like a a number two clipper on the lower (laughs) half of his head up to a number four clipper on the upper middle part of his head. And then I scissor cut the top of it still pretty short but tried to blend in the scissor cut so it could be kind of a spiky messy kind of a uh cool haircut sort of thing <laughs> and i i guess in the back of my head i was thinking hey this this won't really be a big deal we've been talking about needing to cut the boy's hair for a long time his bangs are in his eyes and we keep saying oh we need to get him a haircut and all that so i thought at uh, first it was utilitarian he needs a haircut i can do it next it was going to be like wow this is actually a very drastic change in his look um this is this is not just a trim. I really cut his hair, <laughs> and uh, then my next thought was, Sarah. "Shit, I hope Sarah likes yeah,
1: it." I'm just picturing Sarah's <laughs> reaction right here, and I think I might
0: even have it.
1: Um, like, I oh, I that's what
0: interesting. To <laughs> I even said to like the nanny when I brought him back in. Her first thing was like, "Whoa, it's short." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "That even made that even made the reality of what I had done sink in more." I was like, "Oh God," uh, I think I said out loud yeah, I really, I really hope Sarah likes it. Mm-mm. You can probably hear the anxiety in my voice. Like, oh man, I probably shouldn't have done this. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, got him all showered up and, and, uh, he loved it. He felt super happy about it. And, and, uh, everything was cool. And then later in the afternoon, mama came home and, uh, he was playing in the living room and she walked in through the garage and then he runs around into the hallway where the garage entry comes. And, He's like, "Mommy, mommy, mommy!" And she's like, "Oh, hey, how you do? Oh my gosh, your <laughs> hair!" Like shocked, and uh, then she realized, "Oh, Daddy did this," mm. and her reaction was so great. She handled it really well. She didn't get like angry, but it was one of these things where she had to be happy because she wanted him to feel good about his haircut, right? She couldn't yeah. go like, "Oh no, you cut his hair." <laughs> she couldn't act, she's in a uh, disappointed. Here. Yeah, and she's just blindsided with this requirement to um, deal with her own shock and also be, uh, com- be, uh, knowledge- be cognizant of the boy's feelings because she needs to make him feel good. Yeah. And, of course, she's forced to uh, manage this reaction on the fly because I gave her no heads up. <laughs> and uh, she did a great job with that and her reaction was just like oh wow it's so short you look great honey you look so cute and daddy did this without talking to mommy That's first right. yeah. and I'm like uh. <laughs> I hope you like it. Surprise. And she's like, yes, surprise. Daddy just lost a uh,
1: responsibility. It's not going to be his responsibility (laughs) to cut your hair
0: anymore. Oh, man. And it it really never was um, a a responsibility bestowed upon me by anyone other than myself. I decided to take that responsibility. And in my mind, I thought, I'm going to do such a great job at this. I will just cut both boys' hair. I'll be their <laughs> barber. I'll get good at this. I'll buy all my gear and I'll just cut their hair and and they will be forever handsome and I will I will be the barbing the barber dad. And uh my barber career may have been cut short after one one haircut. But I'm I don't know that she's going to let me do it again and uh maybe she will. I mean I think she's warming up to the haircut. But the very first initial shock was like, I can't believe you did this without talking to me. You cut my boy's hair off. And she even said a few times after that how much she loved his hair long. She's like, I, I, I said it several times. Why why did you cut it so short? I loved his long hair. He had like a cool little surfer boy hair thing going on. It was long and kind of wavy and curly. It was super cute. And I guess I didn't have a good answer. I guess it was like, yeah, I... I, I i thought it would look good i thought it would be cool i don't know what i was thinking i'm sorry <laughs> that's hilarious man no that's that's oh, so funny man. when was that when you said this Wednesday? Is just this last week yeah this past week oh, oh. i forgot what day monday
1: or tuesday yeah I, yeah I am in no way in charge of esme's hair at all
0: um, well you are in no position to be managing anyone's hair as a man with no hair that's right yeah i I mean, you know, I do every once in a while she'll
1: ask me to cut the bangs. Like, okay, can you cut the but she's there the entire time watching me, making sure that I don't botch it. Because it's important to her as well. Okay. Yeah, she so, that hair that hair will not change one iota
0: without her approval. Okay. Well, Esme's a girl, your wife's obviously a girl. Uh I think she inherently has a better grasp of what would look good and what would not on a girl that's true right okay so we'll we'll just concede that um that insight to a woman uh especially with hair being so important to girls like hair is not that important to boys you know what i mean yeah um boys or men guys just aren't that concerned about their hair um but girls that's not the case at all uh but megan still kind of she'll hover over you while you're trimming esme's bangs well, yeah. If
1: she asks me, which is basically never now. I mean, she'll, she there's a place over here called Sharkies, and I think it <laughs> might be four kids. And they she goes oh, okay. in there, and then they have also have like a little nail station and stuff, and they'll do like uh-huh. paint their nails a certain color and stuff. But so that's, cool. th- that's all taken care of now. Um, but yeah, Megan, Megan will <laughs> not. There, there's I don't. I'm
0: not allowed on that. I'm not allowed to dress her. I'm did not allowed you, any of did that. Did you ruin a bang trim one day? And that's why you used to have that privilege and no longer? It never was uh, something I've been allowed to do. I mean, I, right. I think the way that it transpired was maybe
1: I talked about it. <clears> like, oh, I'll <clears> cut <throat> her hair. Oh, no, be careful. You know, or maybe I did something that was wrong one time, just barely. Okay. I mean, just really barely. Because she's very
0: sensitive about the length. And I, I just, oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, do all, not all girls have, uh, it's not my territory to mess with. Well, no, something I learned when I was watching all those haircutting videos was that when your hair, when, when you wet hair, cause you, you want to wet hair before you cut it with scissors, yeah. uh, cause it cuts better. But when you wet hair, especially bangs, like if you wet your bangs and you comb them down on your forehead, the length of them is lower than the length will be when it dries. Like hair shrinks when it dries or it stretches when it's wet or whatever. Yeah. So when you get it wet and you comb it down on your forehead, then you trim your bang line. When your hair dries, that bang line is going to be higher. Um, which for girls could be the difference between, uh, devastation and elation. So that, that whatever length of difference from the dry to wet hair is a big fucking deal. Um, definitely. So I would be terrified to cut a girl's hair. Um, my thought with boys or even my own hair is, I don't know if my haircut sucks, I'll just shave my head. Like I, I don't care it would take what a few weeks or a month or two to grow it back i wear a hat 90 percent of the time anyway like i don't i don't care yeah you're like what am i going to be a model i'm not a model yeah yeah no one cares about my hair no one's gonna be like oh mike's having a bad hair day or oh wow mike's (laughs) hair looks fantastic like no one gives a shit about my hair especially me uh so i don't care uh i i'd be down to get my hair cut at like a barber school where it's like hey you know five bucks it might be a good cut it might not you know whatever uh sit sit down sit in the chair I'm fine with that. I don't care. Yeah, and with me, like I am so liberated just cutting all my hair off. Like I I don't it's just so easy. Yeah, like I none of this exists for you. You're just like, "Man, all that must suck. I don't have any of those problems."
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just shave it off and I hear about everybody else's hair woes. I'm like, uh-huh. "I have no hair woes. I have no hair." <laughs> and it's funny, Esme <laughs> will like make fun of me too. She's like, "No, you don't have any hair." You know, <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while where she's like um uh oh she do she'll describe me to her friends and she's like yeah
0: he has no hair or uh she likes to make fun of me that way oh that's fun it's fun when they start developing a a sarcastic sense of humor or just their little like wise ass uh personality it's uh it's very cute my son burned me this morning dude on my way out to the on the way out the door oh, yeah. normally as i'm leaving the house the nanny is feeding him breakfast and I'm leaving and I go kiss him in the high chair and tell him daddy loves him and have a great day and learn lots and be good. And all this kind of, uh, laundry list of, of, of advice and love that I pour on him. And, uh, today I started pouring my advice and love onto him. And, uh, he looked at me with his brow furrowed all angry. And he's like, Hey man, I'm busy. (laughs) And it, it shot me down, dude. Like I was in the middle of like, daddy loves you. Have a great day learn lots be good he's like hey man i'm busy <laughs> like and, very and you just, firm you, and a, i'm like oh yeah. i'm sorry uh
1: as okay. a dad you just love that though too don't you because it's did. just like you see in the personality flourish more
0: yeah i i it made me it made me very proud i was like yeah man he's eating his breakfast and he's like get out of my face i'm eating breakfast i'm busy i got my needs met dad i'm busy <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was great it was very just like in my, my first Reaction was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, but they, I'm not sorry. You're my two year old. You know, like, hey, shut your face, man. Daddy wants to give you a kiss, you know? <laughs> but it was, yeah, I know. Yeah. it
1: was pretty great. But I've been having fun. Um, it not fun, but I mean, it's always amazing watching them grow up. And, you know, Esme is uh six boy, is she gonna be seven? Oh my gosh, I can't hardly believe it. Um, but she's like she gets together with her friends now. And I I think we've experienced this before in the past, but there's one friend that she has where she's real close with and they almost like have their own language already, like at this young age. Yeah. You you know, we've experienced that before in the past, just with friends that we have and stuff, I think, but it's like, they start like, you, you can't even hardly understand the girls because they, they know exactly what they're saying to each other. But like, you have to like listen in close and try to decipher like what they're saying because they talk so fast or they talk in kind of a lingo or whatever. They both yeah. totally get each other. But uh-huh. the people outside of them don't have any idea what's going on, kind of in a way. And that or at least that's how I feel. My wife is probably different. But no, it's amazing just to see the growth of of uh friendships and and just the the cognitive growth uh where she's developing these relationships.
0: Yeah. Uh that is neat to see. Well, it will be neat to see. My two-year-old yeah. hasn't really had a, a friendship that deep yet, but two, yeah, you can see I, the I remember early... Two is not the place where it happens. Um, no, and, but, but you can see the there. early stages of that level of individuality and, and um, that kind of connection that he'll have maybe with me, maybe with someone else, or you can kind of see them start to develop that 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 level of connection—that's got to be really cool to see your kid connecting with other people, like friends, peers, on that level. Where what a what a positive social experience that is to to experience at such a young age, and that must be really cool as a parent to see your kid um, developing that kind of a, a bond and and be open enough to have that kind of connectivity with someone else. Because um, strong friendships are like there's nothing better, right? To have a good yeah. friendship. And I think a lot of people struggle with developing strong relationships and I'm I'm super fortunate to where I've got some really great friendships and, and not everyone has that. And that must be really cool to see your, your daughter, uh, enjoying that and experiencing that ability and openness to have those level of friendships.
1: It just like gives joy to your heart in a way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of my favorite memories, uh, looking back, like on her and this friend, um, I won't say it just out of privacy concerns for the the other daughter, um, but they're they're really
0: close and they're in the same dance school with each other. So and this they, is a new friend, I imagine, because you've only been in Tennessee for a couple years, right? Not even a couple years. Um. Yeah. About. Uh, are you going to tell me no? I've been here eleven years, and that's my <laughs> poor concept yeah, of right. time. Like you've been there six weeks, right? Now it's been fourteen years, Mike. I would say they've probably known each other for um let's see,
1: probably about a year. They they met in school. Right. So it's a, cool. it's it's about a year that they've been friends, but you know, at that age, a year is probably an eternity.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking that a year for an adult is nothing. A year for a kid is a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And and they were they're in the same dance school. They they did a
1: recital one time. This is like one of my favorite little times that I had with them. And one night, um, Kara, who is the, the, um, uh, mother of the daughter, um, took them both. They had, they had two re- recital nights, I guess that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second night it was me and my wife that took them. So I drove both of them back home and, uh, they're in the back of my truck and they want to hear their songs. So I start playing, you know, their, their songs and the, there are all these like teeny bopper kind of songs, you know, uh, I am happy. If you, you know, the, those kind of, and they wanted to hear all these different songs. So they're just singing away. And, and it was just, it just was one of the happiest. I, I was just so proud to be driving them and just to ha- just to be that dad that's allowing them to have fun and just you know creating that environment where they you know yeah play your own songs sing it up you know just have a blast you know it was just
0: you love seeing your kids just so happy you know it, it, it it's yeah, I, I can totally relate there there's just nothing more rich than watching your kid enjoy themselves and it's the it's the epitome of happiness and, and pride and the whole thing where I can just imagine you driving the car, just going like, this is everything. I wish we were driving to Maine right now. And this was a seven day car ride and this never ended because this is just fantastic. That's right. Driving like a grandpa, slow as yeah. possible, careful oh, yeah, as possible yeah. too. Of oh, oh, the lights turning yellow. I'm stopping because that yeah. adds two minutes to this, yeah. this <laughs> wondrous time. Yeah. It was so true. It's so cute to watch. It was just, just fabulous. You know what's funny too is when I, I think of myself and how different I am now than just a short time ago when I was no kid, Mike. Uh, the thought of listening to baby songs in my truck while I was driving would sound like uh, a fucking punishment. And I would even in my head probably think, like, Oh, I'll just get my kid into like punk rock or good music so that, you know, we can listen to good music while we're driving. Yeah, that'll be my plan. I'll be that dad. You know, he'll listen to good music. Yeah. And now that I have boys um it is all about whatever they like and when we're driving somewhere we are totally rocking his playlist all the time and i love the shit out of it and it's purely just it's not like i like the music personally but i love the music because it makes him happy and i just love the the feeling that it creates in the car where we're all singing the dorky ass kids' songs and it, it's just so much fun, and and sometimes I look at myself in the rearview mirror and I go like, "Holy shit, man! I'm enjoying the hell out of this. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm that guy." But I'm fucking into it, and I'm singing just as loud as everybody.
1: And they're developing an appreciation for music,
0: and and you have that as well. And I fear uh, yeah, that it's just uh, it's a beautiful thing. It is. It really is. And and then I wonder too, like as a musician, like good music is important to me. Like I think of some music as crap uh and other music as good and and of course there's a little bit of bias in there where it's like oh you know hey uh all pop music is terrible and all that kind of stuff and i'm a little bit of that curmudgeon but not really like there's some artists that are top 40 or genres that i don't really like like country i'm not a big country music guy but there are some artists or even just individual songs that are country or pop that i think are good i don't honestly enjoy them Like, I wouldn't choose to listen to them on my own. It's not like I'm going, oh, no, I'm into this song, but I can appreciate it as a good song or I can appreciate them as a very talented artist. I know Um, what
1: that demarcation is for you. Oh,
0: yeah? What's that? Electronica versus Mm. natural. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, okay, so, like, Electronica, if you're talking, like, full-blown digital keyboard button music no drums uh, no real drums no drum set no that that's hard for me to get into although think of like a pop artist most pop artists don't use in their recordings at least they're not using a live drummer they're using a drum machine like a like a, a pink or a Christina Aguilera or or I don't know I'm trying to do my best to think of like pop artists um like uh Oh man, I'm thinking to this one girl who's an incredible singer and I can't think of her name. She, uh... oh
1: God. Damn yeah, I, I I know the songs that Esme likes, but like some of the singers, I'm, you know, um, like she likes that song Brave. Uh huh. I know yeah. the songs, but I, I don't know the singers. Sarah, somebody, but yeah, I'm with you. The The, the names escape me because I, I could care less a lot of times
0: yeah 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 uh no so i'm i'm uh like yeah i was trying to look it up online i can't find his what's her fucking name dude but do you like him her, her uh well she's teeny boppery and poppy and no i'm not a fan of her music but she's an incredible singer oh dido and you love dido oh she's old dude she's our age though right yeah that's not
1: teeny bopper but i was surprised when you told me that like one time where oh it
0: was some conversation we were having i was like mike likes Dido. wow all right so here's the the singer i was thinking ariana grande oh right right. uh she is an incredible singer um her music is not my cup of tea it's it's very teeny boppery i'm not her target demo anyway i'm sure she's not devastated that i'm not super into her music she's She's doing fine. Um, but uh she's like a really, really good singer, like super talented vocalist. Um, and then there's other people who are really great musicians and and arrangers and composers, like dude, like Bruno Mars. Um, I am a huge fan of his, and I don't honestly like his music very much. Hmm. It's fucking great music, but it's not like I, I'm I'm never like going, oh, I feel like listening to Bruno Mars. Even though his songs are great, his his music's amazing. He's a really great musician. The arrangement is incredible. The production is fucking fantastic. Um I, I, like his music is fantastic. I'm just not into it. It's just not my thing. I, I never think, oh, I want to listen to Bruno Mars. but when his song is on, I marvel at the talent. I don't know if I'm making my you, my stance no, you on are, it clear. I'm just I'm so out of
1: touch like i All I right. know of the name Bruno Mars, I probably know some songs by Bruno Mars, but I'm sure they're one of these top 40 artists too. What I think that when things changed is when radio like stopped happening. And when you could like choose your own music, because I started getting a little bit more tunnel vision on my own songs where I am not expanding out as much. I mean, I do a little bit here and there um, listen to kind of some new stuff where I'm just like, Oh wow, that is new got like I, I like the mm-hmm. band Muse a lot. I'm really right, into yeah. Muse. All right, and um, but I, I kind of get stuck on um just some of the things that I like, you know, and uh, I don't venture out much to some of the new people like Bruno Mars and such. But um, my first uh, thought about Bruno Mars is I, I, don't know, I I don't know. It doesn't even matter because I don't I can't
0: recite a song that he's sung. Yeah, uh, I like No, I'm but... sure I'm sure you've heard a bunch of his songs and and he's uh, super talented, plays a bunch of instruments, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I don't know. It's a good example of someone who is fantastic, super talented. His music is incredible. I, I just don't like it much, but I do love listening to it. It's Like, I love the music. I just don't like it. That's a weird ass thing to say.
1: It doesn't inspire you to go and seek out Bruno Mars and turn it on, right? It's just kind of like, oh, if it's there, I'm not going to complain about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. If it's on or a video of his comes on, my son really likes some of his songs. When they're on, I stand there and watch it, and I'm just like, God damn, these guys are good. They are really good. Um, uh, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I beat the point to death. But I I guess that's the way I feel with some of these artists that are outside of my wheelhouse or outside of my, my taste or my comfort zone or whatever um do you brought up a good point um the age of radio was very confined musically like disc jockeys or radio stations basically told you hey here's the handful of songs that we're going to give you and you're either going to like them or you're not but this is a handful of songs that you get and each station had a different handful of songs so you were choosing which music you listen to um, by which station you chose to listen to, and you trusted them to hand you good music. And they played you music that you already knew, that you were comfortable with, a little bit of older stuff that was nostalgic, and they would sprinkle in new songs that helped you um, learn about new artists. Yeah, And that little spoon-fed sprinkling of new music was minimal, but ultimately really valuable because I'm falling into a trap just like you where now that every artist and every song that ever existed in all time is available at the touch of a button in on-demand streaming days, I find that I'm choosing to listen to music that I'm already aware of. I'm not discovering new music. I'm living in my own little repetitive cycle of comfort zone music, and I'm listening to the same albums and artists that I've loved for a long time, but I'm staying in this little pocket of of familiarity music-wise. And I'm never, I'm never exposed to new music. I, I guess I, I should do something to choose to go out and discover new artists. But in the world being what it is today, in the world of streaming, I don't really know how to do that. And the few times that I've dabbled into um, YouTube Music's recommended songs, it's a fucking botched surgery. Like, they don't know me at all. The, the music they recommend to me sucks ass. So that's not a good way for me to discover new music. And I guess I don't know how to discover new music anymore. Maybe I'm old and lame. I can but... tell
1: you. Spotify has a feature where All right. if you like a song, you yeah. can click on that song and you can say, go to song radio.
0: Oh. So
1: it's it's basically like yeah. a, a Markov chain of sorry, Shit, you're right. science. you're right of uh you songs are that are kind right. of related to that songs or songs that other people like that are related to that song
0: that is connecting dots in my memory um where i discovered a band that i love in that exact way and you're right and i should be doing more of that and i'm not i'm listening to albums uh beginning to end because i love listening to whole albums i feel like that's kind of old school but i do enjoy listening to albums um but not radio And I used to, a while back, fuck, we were on a long drive. Sarah and I were listening to Sublime Radio, because we're 90s kids. Yeah. And we were listening to Sublime Radio, and it started playing uh, Slightly Stupid, which is a band I already know I like. And then it played a new band I had never heard of, and we were just listening to it. And I'm just like, fuck, these guys are groovy. Who are these guys? And it was a band called Stick Figure. And they're reggae, totally like Beach. White guy reggae, like beach yeah. punky reggae, but not even so much punk as sublime. They're very they're very chill. They're very islandy. They're very feet in the sand, my tie in your hand. Fucking feel to good. me, they feel like like San Diego or SoCal Beach Groove. And perhaps Blue they, Ribbon. Dude, it just felt like home. They they felt great. I loved them and I was like, I love this band. And so I clicked on that band, started listening to their whole albums. And now they're one of my favorite bands. I listen to them all the time. Anytime we're chilling in the backyard and I don't want to rock out. I just want to kind of have some smooth tunes in the background. It's stick figure always. Interesting. Is it?
1: Yeah. I'll have to check them out.
0: Dude, I've been been stuck on Muse
1: lately just because, um, you know, I I stumbled on a couple songs that I like there and I was in, in that rut where I'm just like, oh, this song's great. That song's great. I'll just keep listening to that. And then I, I expanded out a little bit and I found a playlist of Muse songs where it was like Muse's greatest hits. And I, I love listening to music that, um, well, I don't love listening to music like this, but I, I put on music sometimes and, and it's so funny how you listen to songs that at first you're like, Yeah, yuck, nah, I'm not going to uh-huh. like that. But yeah. y- you keep letting the songs play. You, you keep playing the same playlist or whatever And then you find yourself like four or five days later, just like singing a song. And you're like, man, I love that song. It's just so addictive. What the hell is that? Mm -hmm. And then you go back and you find out it's one of the playlists that you were previously playing. And then you're like, this song is genius. This song is just beautiful. Uh But like the first time, first, maybe 10
0: times you heard it, you're like, this is, I, I don't like this song. It's funny that how that is. Works. Those are always my favorite songs. That is an interesting songs. element to any artwork, right? I, I think there's been movies that way too, or, or even TV series that everyone says is great, and you try to go watch it, and you're like, eh, I'm not feeling it, but I'm going to try to get through a couple episodes, and then by episode three, you're just fucking hooked and into it. Um, but with songs, yeah, I've, I've, I've had that same thing also. I think, in my experience, I can think of that happening with a new album, so like I'll, I'll, hear about an album that's really good about a new artist or an artist I already like, and they came out with a new album. And in my case, it's normally like an artist that's been around for 30 years and they haven't done a new album in eight years, but, uh, one of them got divorced and now they're getting back together and they made a new album and it's a big deal cause they've been fucking, uh, uh, inactive for a really long time. Yeah. And when that happens, I'm super excited about the album. I pre buy it cause I'm that guy. Uh, I like to support, uh, musicians and any art in general, but anytime a band I like is putting out a new album, I, I pre-buy it. Um, I buy so few, so little music these days in the days of streaming that when an album by a band I like is coming out, I'm like, yeah, fucking $11, no problem. You know? Uh, as good. Of so you. then yeah. I, I need to do that more. Then when that album comes out, I'm excited about it. I listen to it and more often than not, I'm like, all right, gonna have to listen to that two or three more times and i don't know if it's a because i'm letting it sink in or b i'm listening to it with too much scrutiny the first time around that's right like i'm like oh, i need to listen to this and i'm actively listening to everything like hm, that change was interesting and ooh that's really an interesting kind of a uh of a tempo and yeah i don't really know about the way he's singing that one or the lyrics in this one are really great maybe i'm like analyzing it too much with your critical then, mind right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah maybe that's a musician nerd kind of a thing but i'm being very critical and analytical and not letting it into my soul i'm really listening with my brain and later on after a couple of times of listening to it then i'm just letting the album play and i'm just listening to it and and experiencing the album like just so it goes in subliminally right yeah. Then it becomes, wow, I love this album, or I really love this song that I didn't necessarily love the first few times I heard it. But now this is the song that, that resonates with me and I just love it. And it's interesting how sometimes that takes a little while or a few plays or or sometimes it's a song that you maybe don't even like, like you said. And then eventually you're just like, man, I, I love this song. Or you just find yourself singing it in the shower or something.
1: And some of the ones that you you absolutely love, like the first couple times that you hear they turn, they don't have like staying power. Like, yeah. I'll be like, Oh, I love that song. Oh, it's great. And then a week later I'm like, blah, it's, it's one dimensional, but you didn't really realize that at the time, but you fell in love with it right away. But you know, the, the ones that sneak up on you that, that have staying power are always those ones that just, uh, they kind of get etched into your soul kind of in a mm-hmm. way, just, mm-hmm. they, they become part of you.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, totally. Like for me, I, more true with music than any other creative medium uh maybe some people feel that way about movies or or whatever but i feel like music enters you in a way unlike any other creative medium Perhaps. and and yeah yeah I, I feel very raped by a good song <laughs> in a good way oh dear. yeah uh or it just becomes part of you or you co-opt it into your own persona or whatever it is but i love the way that music is mm, yeah. It just sneaks up on I you understand. and just like, yeah, it, yeah. It overtakes,
1: uh, yeah, uh-huh. it, it's, it's spiritual. There's a spiritual thing about music and it really, it, it just touches you. It's, and it's, um, you know, it's that energy thing. I, I feel like, uh, I got my crystal ball out again over here, but yeah. you know, it's really just, uh, um, how it affects your soul in a way. And, and it, and it, it, it's just beautiful. I, there's so many songs like that, that, um, that have crept up on me and I just love them even to this day. Uh, one band that really comes to mind uh, like this is, I don't, I don't think you got into this band with me. Many, not many people actually have because the singer's voice for some people is just absolutely atrocious. And I understand where mm-hmm. they're coming from from that, but it's, uh, the singer is Peter Garrett. And the band is Midnight Oil. and Oh, yeah. I like Midnight Oil. They are unconventional. Yeah. Every single album that they have, you know, I haven't listened to some of the more recent ones, but every single album that they have has just been, just about every single album has just been phenomenal. Like just, but the first time you hear it, you're like, nah, nah. And there have been a couple duds here and there, you know, that really didn't catch on. And, you know, it's kind of hard to explain why sometimes, but mm-hmm. they, they, they just have the soul where they just, I guess, uh, the music is coming from a place where it just touches you. And, and with Midnight Idol, I hated Midnight Idol. I had a friend in high school who played them religiously. And I remember just like, because I'm really big on if the sing at the time I was really big on, if the singer doesn't have a good voice, I'm not into it. I just, you know, I can't do it. And uh-huh. he would just play it over. And I'm like, Jesus, this is like nails on a chalkboard. It's horrible. Uh-huh. And then there was one song that came on. It was called Maralinga. And um, it was like, dun, 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 dun. and it was one of those situations where I re- didn't, I didn't quite realize that I was singing it for quite some time. And then it came back on and I was like, oh, that is beautiful. And it really was such a beautiful song. And That's- uh It opened my mind to allow them in and because I went through that critical part of my mind and allowed them in, I could uh, start to listen to them.
0: Yeah, that is a neat thing about music where, um, you know, where like your brain can be turned off to something uh, and and that could be any kind of a, a bias or it could trigger some memory of someone who sounded that way and you didn't like or any sort of mental analysis of that sound and as soon as you turn your brain off you let your your ears just listen and as lame as it sounds like listen with your soul that sounds so fucking gay but that is is what i mean is when you're just listening and experiencing a song for what it is and you turn your brain off then you can truly open yourself up to something that may not be conventionally beautiful um like a strange voice and those are neat artists where you know it's just kind of like, yeah, that guy he he is not a good singer, but his music's incredible. uh there's a lot of examples of that, and yeah. I enjoy those. I think that's a neat element of art. I like good singers also, but um you don't have to be good, and I think, like you said, sometimes you have to give it a little time to get past your bias uh and it's that see that the subconscious beauty. right, yeah, yeah, it's
1: like the subconscious what is that? That phrase, uh, we only use 10% of our brain. And, you know, when, when we drive, it's not our discursive mind that is driving. It's our subconscious mind because that's why we can actually kind of do things at the same time where we're driving. Although we shouldn't be distracted either because that can um, distract our subconscious mind. But, yeah, it's that subconscious mind that is really kind of a world unto itself uh-huh. where it just uh, it perceives and it, it creates. It, and it, It's the creative function. And this is, this is, some, I, I want to bring this up because it was such an amazing experience for me last night where, uh, and it brings forth kind of the subconscious mind because, um, well, I'll just say it. I had a dream last night, which lasted hours and hours and it, it was so beautiful. Like it was it was one of the most beautiful dreams I can recall that I've ever had, and wow. to to try to explain it is like, uh, I mean, first of all, my body was kind of in a euphoria the entire time, and what what happened was it was uh, I the strange part I knew I was dreaming mm-hmm. through the dream, and I was with my dad, and this is you know I have two dads. This was my stepdad. And he was with me the entire time of the dream. And what it was is we were in Germany. And I think what made it so euphoric was we were visiting places that I recognized. I've already been to all these places. Now, the trippy Hmm. part about it, I hadn't been to these places in this life. (laughs) And uh, Hmm. I think it was... But, but I felt the, um, I felt like I've been to them in a previous life because they were so familiar and I was rediscovering these places and he was with me the whole time. As I'm rediscovering all these places, but it felt, it felt so familiar that I, I knew that I had been to these places. I just, it was just so strange and, and we're walking through the streets of Germany and we went through like a subway and then we went into like a building and then we went into the fields and then we drove. We went back from the fields to this most beautiful, uh, what do you call it? It was like a two story building, just a magnificent piece of architecture. And mm-hmm. inside it was just like restaurants and bars and everybody was just joyful and happy and everybody was just in the same vibe. It was just so, you know. I've said the word beautiful too many times, but it really, it just, uh, the euphoria that I felt through this re-recognition of this place that I've already been, that I don't recognize in this life, but I I feel like I've truly been there before. Um,
0: it was just, uh, it was an amazing experience. Wow. Yeah. That, that sounds incredible. And not only for like the amazing dream, but being asleep for like several hours, that that to me just sounds like uh heaven on earth uh i don't sleep anymore so knowing that other people <laughs> yeah. sleep for a few <laughs> hours at a time is uh is 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 makes me jealous but it's also nice to know that it's out there and maybe one day i'll sleep again
1: and that was the trippy part about it too because this was a very very long dream so you know i don't know exactly what it is Do you think it's it one of those things where in me
0: it Felt um, like a I, long time, but may or may not have actually been a long time. Or you feel like you were aware enough to know you're dreaming to know that it was actually a long time. I felt like it was a good long time. And,
1: and the, the trippier part about it was I woke up in the middle of the night, used the restroom. And I said, wow, that was an amazing dream. Well, that was nice to have.
0: I went back to sleep and I continued the dream. That is neat. I've had that happen a time or two. Although I think in my experience, it's always been a slightly altered version of the scenario or whatever I was doing. Do you feel like it was exactly the same? Like you picked up exactly where you left off? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome. And that, that's what makes me think like this
1: was, this was something my subconscious, since we were talking about my, our subconsciousness, I think this was something my subconscious tapped into that, mm. uh, inexplicable to me. But, um, it was the same dream because then my dad was still there and it, it was just, uh, I never experienced anything to that level before, but
0: just also just the feeling of euphoria in my body. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. What if you could like package that and bottle that like dreams are an amazing thing that our brains do while we're sleeping and it's so indescribable, unshareable. And incredibly powerful for good and bad. Like, bad dreams are fucking earth-shattering. Uh, good dreams are, are able to make you, like, so euphoric, like you're describing. Like, that sounds like an incredible experience. Um, and all of that is our brain playing while we're asleep. Like, what a neat, amazing benefit to being a human dreams are. Uh, and what a strange... The the bummer part about dreams is you can't share them, but maybe that's what makes them so special is they're only yours. And even when you try to describe them, even as well as you did, you did a great job explaining it. You can never truly explain it to someone. They can never really get it, you know? It's true because, yeah, there's the
1: emotional aspect that it raises as well that nobody's going to be able to pick up on that. I mean, I can explain the architecture. I can explain the streets. I can explain the hills that we walk through. I can explain the beauty. I can call it beautiful. Uh, but yeah, there's no
0: no way to stand in my shoes and to actually experience what it is that I experience there. Yeah. And everyone's description of a dream is like, you know, I was in this place, but it wasn't really that place. But I felt like I had been there before, but it was a little different. And I was with this person who I knew, but they didn't have a face. It's always this uh, impossible to describe abstract nature to dreams but that's what makes them so incredible and and uh have you ever tried to like journal your dreams uh or have you ever noticed like certainly with me i think most people are this way where if i have a dream uh i wake up and i remember the dream because i just woke up but the memory of that dream is gone like very quickly maybe even a matter of minutes. And if I don't tell you about it right away or write it down, which I've never done the thing where I write it down, but if I don't document that dream immediately, I will not remember it. Only very few dreams do I actually remember for any amount of time. But uh, do you remember your dreams really well? Have you ever written them down? Have you ever tried to take uh, your documentation or experience of dreams uh, further or just, hey, that was cool and move on? I think I'm like you where
1: I wake up and I remember the dream there for a little while and then I forget it. And then what the the recall of the dreams typically for me is in a place where I feel like my discursive mind is quieter, maybe later that day or something along those lines. And then it comes back where I I can I can I remember the dream. Um, but it's always where, uh, it seems to be always where my mind has quieted down from, from the daily, uh, raff, And then, and then it just pops into my head. I'm like, oh yes, I remember that dream.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or something reminds you of it or something, or yeah. you ever had the, the, the deja vu feeling of a dream where you're like, oh shit, I've been here or I did this or I thought this or whatever. And then you remember it, like it was from a dream. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's what made this dream almost like not a dream. Yeah.
1: I I it was a, a different experience I've ever had. I mean, I I knew I was dreaming first of all, and and I think I I had uh, some control in this dream because I knew I was dreaming. Yet at the same time, it was a continuous déjà vu feeling of I've been there before. Wow! Um,
0: and like almost like you're taking a road trip through your old neighborhood, but it's like a previous life's neighborhood or something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Huh. And I've I've had experiences like that come back to me in
1: meditation where I, I've had, um, I've had, a, okay, let me put it this way. In my meditation, I've had experiences that have happened in my life from a real young age that, I never remembered up until that point in my meditation where it just popped into my head like, oh, oh, (laughs) that's what happened when I was in, like, and it opens up, it opens up a little world where I now recall what happened maybe when I was in second grade. Like that that one memory led to another understanding of a memory, which opened Mm -hmm. up like a portion of my, I think the synapses, you know, if if I'm going to make it logical. The synapses of my brain will connect to, will fire, become alive and connect to other synapses in my brain. This, um, and, and in that experience, when I, when I remember a part of my life that I had never remembered before, and this has happened hundreds, maybe, maybe close encroaching on a thousand, maybe not that much, maybe 500 times Um, in those times that that's happened. I, there's no way it's like a dream. I there's no way I can explain it to you that I know that that was a memory that happened. I know it was a memory that happened in this life and it comes up the same exact way every time. Like, Oh, Oh, I remember that. Now there's been three times in my meditations where that has happened where I'm like, it, it, the same thing comes up. Oh, yet I have no reference point for Hmm. that memory
0: in this life. But it's locked away in your archives somewhere and the some other thought or experience or just the time to think and the clarity to think opened that old file drawer and, and uh, found some old little thought or memory in the archives. That's From crazy. another life.
1: Wow. That's the, only way, that's the only way I know how to explain it because wow. I have no reference point for it, but it comes up the same way. And that's what this dream was. Like I have no reference huh. point for it, but it came up that way. I've I've wow. been there. I mean, the only way I know how to explain is
0: like I've been I've been to this place. I've been to these places that I was exploring. I like that some people think that way. I'm incapable of it, um, but I won't discount it because uh, I think there's something there. I mean, hell, a lot of advanced civilizations have put a lot of weight in the thought of um, uh, of being open to previous lives, reincarnation, and that sort of thing, and. It's an interesting thought. I struggle with it personally. I'm not a religious guy or uh, uh, any of that kind of stuff. I'm very outside of that type of thinking, and I'm very skeptical. Uh, So for me personally, it's very hard for me to open myself up to the possibility of things like that, but I like that other people think that, and I think it's interesting to experience the epiphanies that that drive a, a brilliant person like yourself to think those sorts of things um, well, I, I just I, don't have
1: any other way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, and I, I, and that's, I, that's where I come from. Like, I, I hear you about like the, um, needing that substantial proof kind of thing. And I just don't, There, I don't know if there's any way, I don't think there's any way to give that substantial proof for anybody yeah. really about yeah, whether yeah. a past life exists or not, or You know, you can only either, if you do experience
0: something like that, and that's the only way I know how to explain it. That's really the only way I know how to explain it. If you were to be able to control reincarnation and choose what you came back as after you die in this life, what would you choose to come back as? Oh, to be quite honest, I would just let it happen. Oh, all
1: right. Yeah. I mean, but if we're going to play and have fun. (laughs) I can go that way too. But I, I feel like, you know, uh, may, maybe trying to control that might be a
0: negative thing, might put you yeah. in a negative place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's like all those what if scenarios like, okay, so I want to come back as a hawk, a predator bird, like a badass bird. Okay, cool. Uh, and then you come back and you're a baby hawk inside of an egg, and a different predator bird that eats eggs out of nests eats you. And then you never even get to be born, but you were technically a hawk. Like, ah, oh, bummer. That's not what I wanted at all.
1: Yeah, I, I guess if I was gonna play in that realm, I would say, uh, I don't know, I really don't know. I mean, cats certainly are pretty amazing, but um, they're yeah, they're very would, much. Would you in be the moment, like a small I don't domestic think I would cat? Want
0: to be one, or would you be like a big badass African fucking lion or cheetah or something like that? boy, you know, not knowing where your next meal comes from. I don't know if that's in my purview. I'm a little too much of a prepper. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. I don't know. That's a tough thing to wrap your mind around. And what a pointless exercise, but fun. Yeah. Uh, But, (laughs) 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 or what if you're just something like super chill? Like I, I I would want to be a rich guy's dog or a rich woman's dog. The kind of woman that just carries her little fluffy dog around with her to all her, um, uh leisurely rich lady things like taking the dog to lunch and all that and your whole life is just to be pet and to be groomed and to sit on a on the floor under the restaurant table while your rich owner uh like enjoys her leisurely life i think you, i would i you would
1: you're a doer man
0: you are yeah. somebody that that likes to make things happen yeah you know i mean you know i could take up whittling or something i could <laughs> whittle while while the rich lady is eating lunch or something <laughs> Yeah, that's true, I guess. Huh? <laughs> it is funny how um laziness appeals to me, but I cannot sit still for any amount of time. So, I want something that would be absolutely hell for me to experience. That's a weird dichotomy. No, you know, it's uh it's
1: the truth, I think that what? I think that pain is the greatest motivator and yeah, if you don't have any pain in your life, you're not going to experience much motivation to do anything. And that is kind of a hell too. Well,
0: pain is what makes the good things feel better, right? Like the contrast of pain, the contrast of bad shit versus good shit is what makes good shit. Uh, so good. If everything was good, it would just be what it is. It wouldn't feel good, but good feels good because you also know what bad is. So bad is what makes good good. Yeah, it makes it a triumph, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like death is what makes life so wonderful. If we didn't die, like, I'd like be like, oh, fuck, I'm just here for like ever, right? But knowing that I'm going to die is what makes life so great. Uh, so death is what makes life so great. And that's interesting, but uh, totally prevalent. And it makes you appreciate death. I I think that I like that. Yeah, and life, like you're saying.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I think we can say life is a trip,
0: huh? (laughs) It's really. That sums it up. Life's (laughs) fucking trippy, man. Life's a fucking trip. Bro. Life is so trippy, bro. Oh, my God, dude. Bro. (laughs) All right, D. Um, This has been fun. We really got deep on this one. It was a little bit of a different flavor. We got very uh, deep. I feel. I don't just feel like I enjoyed it. I feel like it was expansive is a good word for it. This was fun. I I really had a great time. I, every time after we do these things, I just feel really good. The podcast is a ton of fun, dude. I hope other people enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. And uh, we appreciate you joining us for our fun little unplanned journeys through wherever the fuck it takes us. (laughs) Well said. All right, brother. Well, have a great one. Always great talking to you. Say hi to the family, and I will talk to you again soon. Sounds good, bro. Peace out, man. Later. (laughs) Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate you joining us. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app. And for more episodes and info, check out DerekAndMike.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.